Hello everybody and welcome back Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hello. Hope you guys in or had a fun holiday break and a happy new year as we are firmly in 2018 now. Uh, today is January 10th, 2018 and this is episode 74, Getting to the Golden City because Rivals of Ixalan pre-release is this weekend. Oh yeah. It's, I'm, I didn't, I'll admit, honestly, I didn't play like any Ixalan Limited <laughs> outside of the pre-release from last time. Uh, one was partially due to work, two was also, I don't know, it, it wasn't fun outside of like the two or three drafts I watched people do, so I was just like, eh, alright. Actually, I might have drafted like once or twice, I don't remember. Yeah, Ixalan I think was is a, is very, is more polarizing, because... Uh, there's oh. some people who really like it and some people who really don't. Um, I Wait. think I'm still in a hangover of uh, Kaladesh because I, I love Kaladesh and nothing Here. has lived up to that. Here's I know what it was. I did play one. I think I drafted it once technically, but it was a Winston draft with Lindsay. <laughs> mm, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so not terrible, but I'm looking forward to some of the new cards, though. It, it's looking pretty fun. But before we yep. get to that, we did see a lot of them in action last weekend with the pre-pre-release, which is up on YouTube. Yep, there will be a link in the show notes uh, where uh, Chris Van Meter, Ruben Bressler, and Evan Irwin, and Melissa DeTore went up to uh, Victoria, and they played with the uh, the Lure crew, and there were a lot of shenanigans to be had. And I there's a few of the cards that I want to get to solely because of the shenanigans that were had. Yeah, I was looking uh, at some of the cards, I'm like... Why is this? Yeah, John will tell me why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen the PPR. Uh, I know that you've been busy, so you probably haven't had a chance yet. I watched parts of it. Yeah, uh, PPR was great. Uh, it, I mean, they're always fantastic. Can't can't wait to see what uh, the PPR for Dominaria is going to look like. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, quick aside before we get in this more just in the community stuff. Um, so what have you like holiday break? Did you play a lot of Magic over it or no? Uh, I didn't play a whole bunch. Uh, I did a I did a one, uh, one or two cube drafts. Uh, drafted at the local game store a few times, uh, but that's basically been it. Not hey. I've I haven't gone full bore uh, into Magic over the break as I thought I would. But yeah, I didn't play nearly, know, I didn't play nearly as much as I did. I got to kick the tires on my Edgar Markov EDH build, which I, I'm saying quote unquote won the the battle we had a five way sure. battle. Um, with uh actually it's a four-way yep i think it was four yeah it was four-way no it was a four-way battle i'll try to remember lindsay was playing or not no between three of lindsay's brothers and me mm, uh i was on edgar markov uh one of lindsay's little brothers was on or one of them was on uh i think they were on nizan which is the equipment cat yes from the pre-cons uh <laughs> one of them literally just was like uh, I don't know where my EDH deck is. Here I have Narset and my Jeskai Highlander deck. <laughs> so we're like, all right, that'll play. There you go. He flooded out. He flooded out something awful anyway. And then the other one was on uh, Marin. Mm. I was firmly in the kill the Marin player part of uh, the, oh, what's it called? Politics. I'm like, you guys remember what happened last time? Kill the Marin player. <laughs> Yeah, Marin gets a little out of control sometimes. No, so I actually ended up, like I said, I ended up winning just because after a while, like after about like ten or eleven like turns, everyone's just like, "Yeah, okay, we're done." <laughs> Sounds about right. I will tell you this though, I it's a captivating vampire. Yeah, the one where you the tap one that steals vampires. Yeah, or steals other creatures and turns them into vampires. Yeah. Um, I stole the Marin player's Kalidus. Mm, yes <laughs> uh the trader of get version the four mana mm -hmm. one and then after that turn i had like a four or five vamp i like six or seven vampires out at that point then the player like uh the design player played like the everybody picks one creature and destroys the rest so <laughs> i got to make all the tokens off of Kalidus. oh brutal <laughs> it was hilarious that deck is fun, and this set, I'll be talking about it and mentioning it a bunch of times. I wanted to bring it up because I've mentioned it a bunch of times during the this when we're talking about the cards. That I'm going to have to rework that deck again. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good vampires in black and white again, turns oh. out. Yeah, I'm like, I've seen people like saying, like, cut a lot of the red, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's, a, that's defensible. I'm not sure where I stand on that. But uh, there's, we'll well, I'm saying there's, oh, there's some of, well, 
the cuts are mostly in a lot of some of the pre-con included ones that aren't great. Yeah, um, but that's true. There are ones that are better. Like I mean, Strongheart Cactus was in there, and hmm. that's a good, a great lord for it. Like Olivia Voldaren needs to get in there, and you know, stuff like that. But still, it was fun. I played one game of Highlander, and then just jammed a whole bunch. Oh, we did a what's it? Another Winston draft of uh, Iconic Masters. Mm, yes that was pretty fun and then i've jammed cube a bunch i mean who hasn't i was sad i went to go play my ran like that weird reanimator ramp tooth and nail thing i built the other day and the leagues were down yesterday and it was maybe sad womp, womp. i ended up like right. i think it was five things but anyway cards oh uh, wait first well, up, first story. before we get to the cards uh also first rivals of Exile story came out in the flood uh which is a great story i liked it you, not, should, you all should go to read it not the halo flood not no not mm. i won't lie i saw the title and i was like oh library oh <laughs> oh man teenage john had many many horror stories of the flood oh, anyways let's talk about cards uh, and these are just straight wooberg order kind of alphabetical there's there'll be a few kind of diversions here and there as we get to them uh but the first card uh, i wanted to talk about specifically was baffling end because this card's hilarious uh it's one in a white for an uncommon enchantment when it the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or less. And when it leaves the battlefield, target opponent creates a 3-3 green dinosaur creature with trample. So yeah, so it's it, it, it's kind of a weird, like... It's a weird journey to nowhere, um, suspe- suppression field... Silk wrap. Uh, silk wrap, like, variant, that instead of giving the creature back, gives them a 3-3 dino. Which could be good or bad. Usually, I think in this situation, it's not going to be terrible. No, I mean, I think it's really interesting um, because it's it also has like the old O-ring formatting, except for the fact that obviously they're not getting that creature back. Yes, you you can't O-ring loop it. No, not quite. And plus you have to give target opponent the 3-3. What is also relevant is the fact that it says target opponent. So oh. in multiplayer games, you can uh, you can baffling in one person's creature, they blow it up, and you give the dinosaur to the other player. Also, it's fun if your opponent somehow has hexproof. Yep. Oh no, you get nothing. Oh no. <laughs> but then you're giving your opponent hexproof, and that's a little weird. But anyway, oh, no, baffling if, in. No, if they had hexproof through like yeah, there's some cards that give hex like you have hexproof kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know how good. Th- I don't know if this is a constructed plant or like even, God forbid, a modern plant. But it's a uh, an interesting card to say the least. Yeah, it's definitely high, mid to high removal for yeah. white. Speaking of removal, I don't think a card like this has been printed. Period. This is the most unique line of text I think is on any card in in Rivals of Ixalan, barring of course the new mechanics, and that's Blazing Hope, single white instant uncommon. Exile target creature with power greater than or equal to your life total. Yeah, right? It is a weird line of text. Basically, if someone's attacking you with a lethal creature, nope, get rid of it. It's gone forever. The end. Goodbye. Yeah, that's like actually kind of interesting. Um, So some of the comments I saw might actually be crazy against Death Shadow, but if you're playing white, you're most likely playing black already. So... Fatal push. Yeah, it, yeah, it's an interesting removal spell. Uh, I think it's mainly more for standard uh, than modern, but it is it is priced to move at one mana instant. Um, uh, Baffling End and Blazing Hope are both two cards I have earmarked for p- potential cube inclusion. I'm not sure yet. Um, but Blazing Hope is such a unique effect. I'm curious to see how good it can be. I mean, Emrakul says what up. Uh, protection from instance. I know, I was kidding. <sighs> there we go. Promised uh, End, movie. the other one. The 13-13. Protection from colored spells. Die! So the 15-15 <laughs> has pro-colored spells. The 13-13 has pro-instance. That's why it was so silly. Oh, right, yeah. Everyone's like, what? Oh, oh right, that's why one reason why it was so stupid. Is like You couldn't even respond to it for like two, technically two turns. Yep, that's why. Uh, next I, I kind of is... I kind of blanked out that Emrakul in my mind. I was just like, oh, it got banned. Way yeah, from my it, memory. Still exists in modern. You can still cast it on like turn six if you really want to. But yeah, why would I just cast the other one? Well, you're not. You're never casting that one. Cheated in the play. Fine. Yeah. Uh, next is uh, is actually a cycle of cards, which is the Forerunners. 
Uh, we've got one in each of the four tribes. We have Forerunner of the Legion, which is there, a two and a white for a two-two. There's, there's four runners. Oh my god! How did I not see this sooner? <laughs> got him. Half Life Four confirmed. <laughs> uh, so all the Forerunners, when they come into play, you may search your library for a uh, a card of that tribe and reveal it. Shuffle your library and put it on top. And then in addition to that, they all have a uh, an ETB for their tribe. Uh, which says whenever another blank enters the battlefield, do a thing. So for Forerunner of the Legion, it's two and a white for a 2-2 Vampire Knight. These are all uncommons. Uh, Forerunner of the Legion obviously searches for, searches for vampires. And whenever another vampire enters the battlefield under your control, one of your creatures gets plus, gets plus one, plus one. Hi, remember remember how I was mentioning Markov EDH? Yeah, slam inclusion. Oh yeah, absolutely. No <laughs> tutor, tutor for literally any vampire in my deck and yeah. put it on my... Yeah, sure. Put it on top of the library. Get it in there. Next, Forerunner of the Coalition, two and a black for a 2-2 human pirate. Searches for a pirate, obviously. And whenever another pirate enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. This is the most aggressive of them, I think. Uh, not just based on cost, because uh, these two, as well as the uh, the next one we're going to talk about, are all three mana. But being able to, you know, make your opponent lose a life every time you play a pirate has to be pretty annoying at, at, at a certain point in time. Now, one of the uh, one of these brothers I know has like a kind of funny pirate EDH deck. Uh, with Admiral Beckett Brass? Yeah. So mm. I know he's going to put like every single pirate that's like halfway decent in there. And this is like pretty good to grab your silver bullet pi- pirate. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one, which has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of hype, uh, which uh, one is also that I think is actually pretty decent. And I'm sorry, this is actually four mana. The first two are three mana. The next two are four mana. Forerunner of the Empire, three and a red for a 1-3 human soldier. Uh, no, he doesn't search humans, he searches up dinosaurs. Uh, and it says, whenever a dinosaur enters the battlefield under your control, you may have Forerunner of the Empire deal one damage to each creature. We'll, we'll talk about this combo later. There is a fun little shenaniganery that can happen with this guy. Uh, the one thing I do want to say about him is, um, I'll, I'll save the shenanigans for later. I think this, excuse me, this card's actually pretty decent in potentially constructed. Because you play two dinos in a turn and you get to pyroclasm and you get and you keep your forerunner of the empire could be really good uh, against aggressive red decks. Yeah, but it's they, fun- have, they have a lot of X ones and X twos. What is funny is it doesn't actually have any relevance to the creature it's fetching and or et being with. It is like the other ones. Yeah, the other ones like these Murfeld scout, vampire knight, human pirate. This one's like yeah, it's a soldier. But Speaking again, of the- it's the sun empire. Yeah, speaking of the Merfolk Scout, we have Forerunner of the Heralds, uh, three and a green for a 3-2 Merfolk Scout, uh, for, uh, fetches up a Merfolk, and whenever another Merfolk enters the battlefield, put a plus and plus one counter on Forerunner of the Heralds. Now, you may be asking yourself, why is the Merfolk one green and not blue? And that's because this cycle is inspired by the Harbingers from the original Lorwyn cycle, or from from original uh, OG Lorwyn, uh, and they do this exact same thing when they ETB, and the Merfolk Harbinger is a blue card and it is a three two. it's a it's a two three island walk i believe correct yeah so that's why the merfolk one is green and not blue also we don't have a blue one because there's only four there's only four tribes so if we were going to get a blue uh forerunner it would be the merfolk one or the pirate one but they they did these things for a reason i'm honestly and, cool. i'm honestly fine with the that i was like wait a minute where's the fifth one i'm like great there's four of them yeah there's only four tribes I would have loved, like, just a, uh, a random changeling, <laughs> changing forerunner. Oh my gosh, and blue would have been hilarious. It would have been very funny. Uh, next up is actually four cards, because these four cards are reprints from Ixalan in Rivals. Uh, they are Legion Conquistador, Raptor Companion, Sailor of Means, and Colossal Dreadmaw. Um, and for those of you who uh, follow Loading Ready Run on uh, YouTube, they actually put up a video on Monday where Graham interviewed Melissa DeTora, who was up there for the pre-pre-release. And she mentioned how uh, they put these cards in the set because they were going to start doing for small sets going forward, obviously there are no more small sets, uh, to reprint uh, just simple core cards from the large set in the small set uh, at common. Not necessarily like uncommons or rares, but just put in you know, good role players because the white decks want an aggressive 3-1. Uh, the, bl- the, the defensive blue decks want a 3-mana 1-4, uh, and plus with Ascend, being able to come in with an extra permanent is nice for treasure. And then Colossal Dreadmaw, green decks always want a big green six power, six mana, six power trampler. 
Can, they can, always want something like that. Can I just say, though, that due to the fact we now have elder dinosaurs, they changed the flavor text on Colossal Dreadmall. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, it's so great. It says, remember when it was the most terrifying thing you'd ever seen? <laughs> Captain Lannery Storm. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Because the that's original good. one says, if you feel the ground quake, run. If you hear its bellow, flee. If you see its teeth, it's too late. Yep. So that's pretty good. I honestly think the second one is a lot cheekier based off the fact that we now have all the elder dinosaurs. Uh, also, the fact that Legion Conquistador, who's the the vampire squadron hawk, uh, is in this set makes Legion Legion Conquistadors in Ixalan uh, much less terrible, uh, and actually makes the card still actually you know good if you manage to put the pieces together. It was math. It was like three or four that it's actually decent with. Something along those lines. Either way, I've I haven't run the numbers. Next is a card that um, pretty sure Frank did. <laughs> Yeah, next is a card that's really interesting, uh, and I didn't know what to think of it at first because it was previewed originally in, I want to say Korean? I'm not sure. Uh, but it is Slaughter the Strong. Ian, what does it do? So Slaughter the Strong is a one white, white sorcery that reads, each player chooses any number of creatures he or she controls with total, total power four or less, then sacrifices all other creatures he or she controls. This is a weird one. Like... It's almost a three mana wrath, almost. Like if your opponent has, if you or your opponent have big dudes, you can't save them, and you can only save a small number of your small dudes. It's a real interesting, fourth, interesting take on a potential three mana pseudo wrath in white. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun, like especially with the flavor text that ties in with it. So the, like. This is one of those things when you see the flavor text, like, oh, it kind of makes a little more sense. Which, so flavor text on this one says, cut cut the beast out from under them and their strength is nothing. Vana, Butcher of Magan. Mm-hmm. Or Vona, however you say it. So she's basically like, kill the dinos, Sun Empire is nothing without them. I mean, yeah, this is definitely something against, like, bigger rampish decks. Yeah. Uh, I do like this as a potential answer to uh, Teamer Energy because Teamer Energy can go a little wide. As well as a little tall with stuff like Glorybringers and Rogue Refiners and Virtuosos and the like. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where this is going to kind of slot in. Uh, this is another card that I have earmarked for possibly seeing Cube play. But White always has, you know, great Wraths and in Cube, so it's usually not too big of an issue. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely kind of weird. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's something like this. I'm sure there's a lot of play to it. Like, people can... There's a lot of play... That people can explore with it, which is nice. Oh, yeah. It's good getting those kind of cards where it's not like, this is what this card does. Have fun. Uh, next is a card that I thought would have, that when we saw uh, Raid in blue, I thought that this was kind of a shoe in for a potential potential card that we would see coming forward into uh, into Ixalan block. And that's Admiral's Order. Uh, one blue blue for a rare instant. And there are people who are complaining about this being rare, but you don't want this at Uncommon. You really don't. So the, the the trend is that blue in a couple sets has gotten, we'll call it conditional cancels. <laughs> um, so it's a one blue, blue counter target spell, which is canceled. Yeah. But they've stapled conditions onto them with certain things. Um, a couple sets ago, we got the one with Awaken. Yes. Uh, this one has the raid thing, so. Yeah, and its raid is... If you attack with a creature this turn, it doesn't cost three mana. It costs a single blue mana. Yeah, so people are saying, like, hilariously effective way, way if you're in a um, a deck that's playing against Settle the Wreckage. You're like, oh, look at this. One mana counter your Settle the Wreckage. It's like, oh, no, no, no. So, mm. <sighs> what's What's really funny about this is that people are saying, like, I want to try this in Infect. And I'm like, you know... It's not terrible. It's not awful, but you're but you if to put this in, you have to probably cut pump spells. I think it's more of a sideboard card. Like it would take a, it would take the slot of a few pierces, I'd imagine. Yeah, people are saying like maybe cut like a spell or a side pierce out of the sideboard, and um, but it's still like just one of those like yeah, you, you play around with your control suite if you need to, but it's still like just feels bad if you had like a spell pierce that could answer something that you know yeah i do think that admiral's order is interesting however if it starts to see a lot of play people are going to play around it and the only card that admiral's order just 
hoses immediately is the aforementioned settle the wreckage. Yeah, that's like the one major one. Because it's funny, it's like, hey, let me cancel your second main counter. What? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, it's obviously very aggressive. It's not meant for the control decks. It's meant for this aggro pirate tempo deck. Or and, potentially, uh, not even that, not even that, possibly Merfolk. Possibly Merfolk. Merfolk like to attack, as we will, as we will eventually see. Uh, next up is Kumena's Awakening. Uh, two blue blue for a rare enchantment with Ascend. Uh, we mentioned it last time with Vona's Hunger. Uh, if you have 10 permanents, you get the City's Blessing, and if you have the City's Blessing, then your Ascend cards will do something extra. Uh, for Kumena's Awakening, it's either a 4-mana Howling Mine, or if you have your 10th permanent, it's just a Howling Mine for you. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting take on that plus like the dictative crew fix thing where like how you could get benefit out of it is flashing in the dictate so they didn't necessarily get it but i kind of like this in a weird sort of way it's definitely something that i don't i could see control mirrors wanting something like this maybe as card advantage but there's better sources of that I mean, I do. I could see like a control deck playing this on like uh, maybe slamming it on turn four, although that's unlikely, or just using it to just get more advantage out of their opponent uh, once once they hit a send because you know a control deck's going to hit ten mana at some point. Oh, so. absolutely, yeah. And th- this just seems even more like kind of EDH kind of card. Oh, it, it's this card's absurd in EDH. Yeah, like if you you can play this on turn four and have it be your tenth permanent easily, no questions oh, asked. Yeah, just like pump out a bunch of. Uh tokens or artifacts or something crazy yeah yeah seems decent next up we have riverwise auger thank god thank god this card is not a common uh ian what does riverwise auger do this card would be bananas and i would play it in tron <laughs> if it was common <laughs> so i River- might agree with that but i don't know it's so it's riverwise auger it's a three and a blue for a creature merfolk wizard it's a two two when riverwise Au- riverwise auger god this is going to be that card isn't it it is. I gotta get. I got a nickname for you when you're done. Okay. Uh, enters the battlefield. Draw three cards. Then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. I wonder where I've seen that text before. Uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. I mean, yes. No, it's literally brainstorm <laughs> but, on a stick. Yep, it is literally brainstorm on a creature. I think this is the first time this fe- this effect has been in has been printed since Jace the Mind Sculptor in standard. Yeah. Um, I don't think this card is going to see standard play. It's a four. It's a four mana two two, and you know, brainstorm's nice and all, but the reason it's broken is shuffle effects, and you don't always get shuffle effects. So, uh, also uh, the nickname for it, courtesy of Adam Savadan during the PPR, Brainstorm. Nice, I yeah. like it. But no, really see, good. here's the thing. Like, this is definitely something that could put. I mean, it would fight Seagate Oracle. Grand Seagate Oracle is only three mana, and you actually put the card in your hand, but you're only looking at two cards and this can there's so my deck please um the only really kind of like the only ways to kind of like crack your deck and shuffle effects are a lot of the instant speed like uh what's it called two uh, mystical teachings and uh crikey the uh explorer's mat yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so yeah those but those kind of shuffle effects are only ones that are in that deck it's it's kind of something that I would I would absolutely try it out if it was a common in place of Seagate Oracle because I'm only, I'm only down to like two C, two or three Seagate Oracles anyway so I give it a shot seeing if four mana isn't terribly crazy but four mana is like that weird spot where like the deck jumps from three to five and skips over four a lot but yeah uh, I'll i also say uh, that there are two common shuffle effects in Evolving Wilds and Travelers Amulet in the set. Uh, and then there's also the four uh, four runners. So if you're able to shuffle your deck that way, you can gain some you can gain some advantage that way. But uh, sometimes you're just going to play your four mana two two and draw a card. Yeah, and you can like again, limited seems like a really good place for this necessarily, and like you can kind of stack your draw a little bit. Yeah, I think at three mana it it becomes a constructed playable card. Yeah, uh, obviously at two mana it would be two, but that would just make it absurd. But I think it's priced just to stay out of standard, but it'll be a fun uh, a fun limited card. Jace for zero? Okay. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Water Knot. Uh, one blue blue for an enchantment or at common. It enchants a creature. When it enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. And the enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. 
Oh, hey, uh, claustrophobia. What's up? <laughs> yeah, it's it's claustrophobia. And the reason why I put it on here is because it is a more generic claustrophobia. Uh, and I think that they made, they printed this card specifically because they want this effect more often. And claustrophobia is a too specific uh, phrase or too, too specific name, whereas water knot is much more general. Yeah, this is quite an excellent functional reprint. And keep it up, wizards. If you can make functional reprints like this with generic plain like plain agnostic there we go plain agnostic yes. names do it <laughs> like absolutely oh, yeah. get some good get some good cards you know back around mm-hmm. uh next we are now entering the black cards with a card previewed by uh, one alex ullman of popper uh, of popper fame also uh, this is... and also taught it as probably the best card for the set for popper by the professor on his video yep. which i 100 percent agree Dusk Legion Zealot, one black, one in a black for a one-one vampire soldier at common. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and lose a life. Hey, Edgar Markov, what's up? <laughs> hey, uh, Black Elvish Visionary. Hey, uh, Smaller Frexian Rager. Uh, this card is very, very powerful. It's going to see standard play. I would also be unsurprised if it saw modern play. Um, I don't know what deck it would fit in. Aristocrats potentially, sure. Um, it's a very subtly powerful card, and yes, you lose a life, but that's not going to come into play when you're wanting to play this. There yeah. may be like times where you're at one life, and you need to draw an extra card, and you'll have Dusk Legion Zealot in hand, and you'll be upset, but I think on average, this card's just insane. Yeah, it, like replace a card replacing itself is not bad. You get a 1-1 body, and you get to draw a card, Yeah, and you lose life. But usually with decks that, especially if you're in a vampire deck, you're probably going to have life gain on some of your cards to help offset the one life loss of this guy mm. so like i said i would absolutely slam this in markov edh reason being is if you're playing egger oh right you cast this guy you get a free vampire so you technically get two power two toughness spread across two bodies while drawing a card and losing a life when you're at 40 hi that sounds really good it is actually really absurd. plus i will say this the one the one issue that the markov deck does is has is card draw in mardu colors is not great yeah, there's not a lot of it. So you kind of play like Sign and Blood and other kind of stuff like that. So getting extra value out of the Markov triggers on this is bananas. Plus, it's another vampire that can curve. You can curve this into a captivating vampire and steal something. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have a card. The card that has launched a thousand comments. I mean, oh, and a rant. <laughs> I was I was counting that as part of the comments. Oh. Uh, Ravenous Chippa Thingy. I mean, Chupacabra. Uh, hey, two black Kurt, black. Chupa thingy. How about that? <laughs> For a 2-2 beast horror at uncommon. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. So it's a 4-mana 2-2 that murders an opponent's creature when it comes into play. These are these are historically called 187 creatures. For Yeah. People don't use that anymore because there's, a, there's like a negative connotation in regards yeah. to that. But Historically, it, it was called 187s. Historically, they're 187 creatures. Or uh, now, yeah. they're more, more like FTK kind of-ish. Yeah, or FTK, Necrotal. Necrotal. Necrotal being the more direct comparison. Shriekmaul. Um, Shriekmaul. Uh, and one of the big things that was commented about this is during uh, this past weekend at the SCG Open, um, Patrick Sullivan, who is a game designer uh, and as well as Magic Personality, went on a rant about um, how Ravenous Chupacabra is almost a dangerous precedent in certain in some ways. Uh, because there's a lot of cards that become unplayable when you can just play this four mana two two that kills a creature. Yeah, it's like <laughs> one of the main arguments behind it was like, "Hey, let me slam this really cool like six seven mana like mythic rare," and then my opponent goes, "Okay, four mana kill it." Yeah, and you're like, "Uh oh, okay." Yeah, people are comparing it to Impale, which is a two black black sorcery at common that just says destroy target creature, uh, but. And how, like, why would I play Impale when I can play um, Ravenous Chippa Thingy? So. It's like, I get a bot, like, it literally only is just rarity difference, and I get a 2-2 body out of it, and does the same effect. It's like. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, the art is creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. Darken always does a great job, and Chupacabras are supposed to be really ridiculous, and, uh, yeah. Nailed it. Oh, this 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 fits perfectly but uh, yeah the design space that this exists in is kind of one of those like i i can see where patrick is coming from with this kind of thing especially when it's like 
game designers that are kind of like speaking out especially about it you're like okay i'll listen to them a little bit more than joe snuffy on like mtg salvation yeah and uh by the way the game that patrick sullivan works on eternal for direwood for direwolf digital so it's not a small game it's a a small game it's a game uh next is twilight prophet two black black for a two four flying a vampire cleric at mythic what's up girl Uh, it has ascend uh and says at the beginning of your upkeep if you have the city's blessing reveal the top card of your library and put it into your hand each opponent loses x life and you gain x life where x is that card's converted mana cost when stormgrim nemesis got got revealed uh and everyone talked about how his plus one was bobbing correctly i don't think I think this girl bobs better than any other bob before her. <laughs> hey, hey, John. Yeah. John. What? Forerunner of the Legion into her. Yeah, I know that's, that's seven that's, mana. Yeah, that's kind of silly. Boom well, shakalaka. Remember, uh, that puts it on, the forerunners put it on top of your library. And I understand, but that is that would be a very sick nasty curve, and you probably actually could get to ten permanents on the turn you play Twilight Prophet. Whether she survives a turn cycle, though, is an entirely another story. That's why you play one on three, and then play the Prophet on four, and then you curve out in the Vampire Nocturnus on five. <laughs> uh, hold on, sorry. We're, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, also, this is another card that I have earmarked for cube. Um, main reason being is that uh, historically, black four-drop creatures have been a little underpowered. Um, and so I'm interested in trying this out as a black four and see how 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 she performs desecration demon says lol what up bro <laughs> i said historically <laughs> i'm just i know i know I'm I'm just, i got i got a messy man uh next is uh well this card caused a lot of uh yeah, a lot this, of discussions this freaking card right here yeah blood sun two and a red for a rare enchantment uh when it comes to play draw card hey that's really cool cantrip uh cantrips and all lands lose all abilities except mana abilities. Hey, look at that. Modern Tron's going to play red again. Yeah, it's... Yeah, so this is land hate that doesn't stop Tron. Uh, it doesn't stop... And it turns all dual lands into actual, factual dual lands. Uh, it turns the ETB tapped tri-lands into literally untapped tri-lands. Uh, what is, so what does Blood Sun shut down? It shuts down fetch lands. Like literally, just turns them off. That they're not, they can't even tap for mana. It shuts down creature lands. They can still tap for mana, but they can't turn into creatures and hit you. It stops um, other utility lands like Desolate Lighthouse, uh, Arch of Orozco, which we'll get to in a little bit. Oh, uh, Ramadop Ruins, stuff like that. Remember, any land that has an ETB counter effect, like put a counter on this, or for the instance in standard relevant. Uh, Aetherhub, you don't get the energy. Uh, also notable with Blood Sun. Um, oh, fun fact though, you can pay an energy to tap it for the mana. Yeah, because that's a mana ability. And remember, mana abilities are abilities that make mana that don't target. That's kind of the main restriction. Um, also, uh, non-Planeswalker loyalty abilities. Because then it goes to the Revelers plus one, which makes red and green mana equal to the near number of creatures. Uh, is not a mana ability, despite it making mana. Also... Um, Judge, what? What happens if I have an Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth in play? Timestamps. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever, whichever one comes in uh, sooner or most recently. Um, so basically, your yeah, opponent blood- goes Blood Sun, and you're like, and Urborg. Yeah, it's a weird one. I'm gonna have to re. I'm gonna have to make sure that I understand that interaction for when it eventually comes up at some point. Because uh, I'll tell you what, of the interactions that you will have to probably in- deal with with Blood Sun, that is probably the most likely timestamp related one. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. There's a lot of people who are like talking about trying to break it with stuff like Lotus Veil, uh, which is a land that when it comes into play, you have to either sack two other lands or sacrifice it, um, and it taps for three mana. And it's Ugh. like really, that's a little. That's a little cute. Um, and then there's also stuff like in Legacy where it's like suddenly your shock lands are just dual lands and all that other fun stuff. I mean, um, what's it called? Dark Depth has no text. Uh, yes, Dark uh, Yeah, Dark Depths would have no text. Um, it, it's a really interesting land hate card. Uh, I've already joked about playing uh, 8 Blood in Modern uh, as a play on words for 8 Rack, which uh, is the mono black discard deck. It's called, it's called Sun and Moon. No, there's a deck that already exists that's that. 
There is, and I also joked about playing a red white deck that's that plays Blood Sun, Blood Moon, and Wheel of Sun and Moon. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's just like red white prison at that point. It is, but you know, people have to have their uh, people have to have their hobbies. Um, Ponza players. I mean, exactly. Uh, next is a card that I I know that people are going to ask questions about when it comes to the pre-release because they're going to see this and they're going to attack with it and they're not going to know how it works. Uh, this is Charging Tuscadon. A three red red for a four four uncommon dinosaur. He has trample, and if charging Tuscadon would deal combat damage to a player, it deals double that damage to that player instead. Okay, so I definitely see where you're going to get questions about this. So yeah, can I can I set up the scenario? Please. All right. So this is what my quick opinion, my, my quick look at the quick read on this is. Okay, so you are the charging Tuscadon player, and I attack you. No, no, I'm saying. I, you, like, you being, you the person, you yes. swing in with a 4-4. Four, four. Your opponent has a 2-2 two, two they put in front of it. Two damage, quote-unquote, tramples over. However, that two damage becomes four damage. That would be correct. Because yeah, two, damage, doesn't... two damage has to deal lethal for tr- trample to effect, but any damage hitting the opponent gets doubled. That is correct. So the Tuscadon does not deal... In this instance, six damage to your opponent, it would only deal four damage to your opponent. Uh, it makes this card really hard to block effectively. Uh, maybe it's a four-four, but you do have you'll have to um, balance whether how much damage you want to take from the charging Tuscadon because any damage that you would take from it is then doubled. Um, this is definitely a card at the common or uncommon level that I think will get the most judge calls for the people who. Uh, maybe a little hesitant as to how good it may be yeah it's it's kind of interesting but yeah i I like it's something we haven't really seen before on a card i was like there's a card like this in uh in eternal which is it's in eternal it's a three mana two two haste that deals double damage to players um and i was like that would be a really cool card to put into magic and then they previewed this i'm like oh well (laughs) i see magic had the same idea so good call Good call. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's this is a very powerful ability. Um, I think a three mana two two haste with this ability would be kind of absurd in Magic. Um, I think Eternal can get away with it because they start at twenty five instead of twenty. Uh, but I think Charging Tuscadon is a fun effect, and uh, don't get blown out by it. Yeah, just the, uh, the love of God. Yeah, just remember about that that damage uh, yeah. clause. Next is Red Snapcaster Mage. I mean, Dire Fleet Daredevil. Ian, what is what, what do they do? So, I believe it's a she. So, she is a one and a red for a 2-1 human pirate with first strike. And here comes the text box. When Dire, dire Fleet Daredevil enters the battlefield, exile target instant or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard. You may cast that card this turn, and you may spend any mana as though it were mana of any type to cast that spell. If that card would be put in the graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Yeah, like I said, it's reverse Snapcaster Mage. It's Snapcaster for your opponent's graveyard. So remember, it doesn't have flash. No, it does not have flash. And thank God it doesn't have flash. Oh my God. Boof. Uh, like, one of the most complicated things to think about as a Magic player, I think in in any 60-card format, is playing Legacy in the Deathrite, in the Deathrite Shaman Mirror Match. Because oh. that's a whole level of weird. Oh, that... the the tango you have to play is like, okay, who's going to target this thing in the graveyard first? Yes, it's ooh man, it's a whole thing. But Darfly Daredevil thankfully does not have flash, but so you're only casting things on your turn with it. But you know you can hit their bolts or their fatal pushes or their draw spells or whatever it is. And you don't have to worry about, you know, your mana not meeting up correctly because you can just make, you just play, pay mana as over mana of any color to cast it. Uh, it's a very powerful card. Uh, I think it'll, it's definitely going to see standard play. It could see modern play. I'm not sure. Uh, and it's also uh, earmarked for uh, cube because I think this card is insane in cube. I mean, what's also kind of fun about this card, as I've seen people mention it, is uh, Aether Vile Humans deck. Oh, in modern it's a stupid human. Ah, that's silly. Oh yeah, get that bad boy in humans because remember, so the humans deck in like is not playing Snapcaster because you're not playing any instant sorceries. However, you like can you don't a- want to Snapcaster or Coco. It doesn't even run Coco. 
I know it doesn't, but that that'd be the only instant or sorcery I'd play in that deck. Right. So, and you have to get the six mana with an aggro deck, which you don't want to do. But this one, whew, whew, yeah, all of that spicy like single target, like you know, hand dis- hand disruption or fatal pushes or lightning bolts or path to exile or lingering souls, all of that becomes fair game to you. Oh yeah. Now remember, your opponent can't recast lingering souls out from under you if they have the mana. Uh, no. Oh no! Right, it's flashback at sorcery speed, right? Yes, a that's a sorcery. Uh, this wouldn't work for instance with uh, flashback in the graveyard. Something like think twice may not work, if especially if they have the mana for it. Oh, because they, uh, they, they, well, they still can't cast it out from on you when you target. Well, you can target it, but then they would have an out if it, if they can cast it from their graveyard, they would then get a window to do so okay. before you get to cast it. Okay, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I forgot. Also, this whole... it, just exiles an instant or sorcery from their yard. You don't have to cast it. So if they have like an aftermath card hanging around in their graveyard, like say in uh, in standard, Commit to you memory. can just be like, play it, get it out, and just be like, oh no, you lost it, too bad. Yeah, just like, oh no, there goes your commit to memory. Oh get no, wrecked. the worst. <laughs> uh, next is Etali Primal Storm. This is the first Elder Dino that I uh, I put on the list. I think it's the only one. The only one. Uh, mainly because this is the one that I think is going to be the uh, the big player in Commander. Uh, four red red for a six six elder dino, uh, legendary obviously at rare. Whenever Atali Primal Storm attacks, exile the top card of each player's library. Then you may cast any number of non land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. And remember, for when it says stuff like this in one block of text, uh, and you have to cast it as this ability resolves. So you get to cast creatures out of um, out of sequence. You can cast sorceries out of sequence. Uh, it's it's a very powerful card. I mean, a, a four mana six a six mana six six is going to kill a lot of people in limited very quickly. Whereas in commander, you can get some absurd value off of this, especially if you're playing against somebody who's playing like a Narset deck or a, a big spells deck, yeah. and you just start free casting their library. Oh yeah. So the fun thing I want to see with Italia is like I'm gonna probably be doing at least one pre-release and it's gonna be two headed giant. Uh-huh. So it's four players. <laughs> so I get to cast uh... it. I wanna I wanna open this in either mine or Lindsay's pool when we do this, because she's probably gonna get the dino deck or whatever aggro deck we have, and I'm gonna get like the mid range control deck and it's gonna be fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean just this and two headed giant is just bananas. Uh, next, Rekindling Phoenix, two red red for a four three flying phoenix at Mythic. Uh, it, I mean, like I said, it flies. Also, great art by Jason Rainville. Uh, I never knew I needed an owl phoenix, right? Like it looks great. Damn. Yep. But it's a phoenix, so it probably comes back from the graveyard somehow. Let's find out. When Rekindling Phoenix dies, create a zero one red elemental creature token with print or quote. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice this creature and return target card named Rekindling Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield, period. It gains haste until end of turn, period. Close quotes. Man, this is probably one of the most pushed Phoenixes in a while. Uh, yeah. Like, other ones, you know, like a Coom Firebird, you had to, like, when a land entered, you could pay six to get it back. And it, mm-hmm. it, Ash Cloud Phoenix was the morph one and dealt some damage. Uh, there was the one from Fate Reforged, which was the three mana two two with uh, Ferocious. At the beginning of your upkeep, you can pay a red to return it from play from your graveyard to play, and it had to attack each turn of Fable. Which notably, this one doesn't. It can it can actually sit on defense and block. Yeah, it's and just let that zero one live. <laughs> yep, it basically eats two removal spells in limited. So it is something you're going to have to be aware of. I mean, I, I would love to see this in foil because, oh, it's going to be gorgeous. It is. Next, Jade Light Ranger. One green green for a 2-1 Merfolk Scout at rare. Uh, and it has the great line of text. When Jade Light Ranger enters the battlefield, it explores, comma, then it explores again. This card is ridiculous and I love it. <laughs> it either is going to be a 3-mana uh, 2-1 that draws you two lands, which you definitely didn't want to be drawing later. Or it's a 3-mana 4-3. So Which you get is to, really good. You get to see some bananas plays because uh, in the pre-release because Graham had two of these in his in his pool. Yep, <laughs> he had the the pack. He had the foil, uh, the pre-release foil, and a regular one. So he actually Jade Light Rangered, explored, revealed Jade, Jade Light Ranger. 
Yeah, I, I saw that clip. That was, ooh, it was beautiful. You're just like, oh, this is happening again to me. Fun. Yeah, uh, that card is kind of very obviously standard playable. It's going to be ridiculous. I, okay, so we didn't really talk about the beginning of the show, and, you know, it's pure speculation because we're going we're gonna to be talking about it next week for sure on the episode on the 17th. It's going to be because either there's going to be standard bannings or there won't be standard bannings. I am pretty sure that there is no BNR announcement on the 15th. Zero. Nothing. Uh, nothing for mean, modern. No, nothing no, no, for standard. No, no. You mean no changes to the I mean that there is. I mean that there's not going to be one on the 15th. They're going to push it back or something? I, I remember them saying something a few a little while back that they were not going to do any bannings on the 15th. For modern. For anything. I know it was specifically said for modern, but I believe that there's not going to be any bannings at all. But I could be wrong. I'm okay well, with being wrong, but we'll see. I, I would hope so because what's kind of also kind of people, what's fueling the speculation that there's going to be some massive energy bannings um, in the form of multiple card bannings, possibly eight. I mean, I don't know if they'd hit Aether Hub, but. They're definitely looking at stuff like Long Tusk Cub, um, uh, Tomb with Aether, and those kind of things really hyper-boost energy uh, because they put out an article the other week about affinity, old-school affinity, standard affinity, where they had to ban out all the artifact lands, kind of thing like that, to really tone down just how oppressive that deck was. Everyone's like, oh, Kalgo, Jace. They're like, no, affinity was worse. I wasn't around for it, but like, Everyone's like, no, the Affinity one was worse than Kalgo. Yeah. And we'll Kalgo and Kalgo was bad. It's not this is not nearly on that scale, but we'll see. So next week we'll be talking about it either way. But I would love to see like a viable Merfolk deck in standard. That'd be hilarious to finally get I a agree. tribal like, deck. Like a tempo Merfolk deck being good would be a lot of a lot of good for the for the format, I think. Yeah, and plus it it's it'd be a nice thing that, you know, they finally pushed a tribe set again and if we don't get a tribal deck out of a tribe set, they done goofed. <laughs> I mean, we could have to wait until Kaladesh and um, Kaladesh and Amonkhet leave before we see a true tribal set or a true tribal deck. But here's another thing too: is we're also getting Dominaria back and we're getting core sets back while this one will be legal. Yeah. So we might later down the road get a Merfolk deck. We'll see. We'll see. Next, the card that has a lot of people talking because of a silly combo with the Forerunner of the Empire, which you mentioned before, uh, Polyraptor. Six green green for a 5-5 dinosaur at Mythic with Enrage. Whenever Polyraptor is dealt damage, create a token that's a copy of Polyraptor. And yes. One thing that I didn't notice about, or I didn't say earlier about Forerunner of the Empire is that it lets your Enrage dudes come into play pissed off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah so, so yeah go ahead so remember this is kind of i forget john what's the terminology in math for this exponential uh it's not quite exponential but close so one raptor exp- makes oh, yeah, two it's exponential yeah one raptor makes two two makes four four makes eight yes and then the other and then the guy dies yeah uh and also um in one of the linear ready run videos they actually had to walk through the math of it um so if I have Forerunner of the Empire and I play Polyraptor, I get one trigger, which gives me another Raptor. So I have now two Polyraptors with one damage marked on the uh, Forerunner. Then I get another Forerunner trigger, which deals one damage to all my units or all my creatures. So Forerunner of the Empire now has two damage marked on it, and I have two Enrage triggers. So then one of those one of those triggers resolves, giving me a, giving me another Polyraptor which causes another Forerunner of the Empire trigger to go on the stack. You have to ignore that one, because it is a May ability, to then make your fourth Raptor, which then puts another Forerunner trigger on the stack. You let that one resolve, killing the Forerunner, making four more Polyraptors. Oh yeah. And there is a card from Ixalan. It's one yes. mana, it's a one mana white, it's a one white spell that target creature gets indestructible until end of turn. <laughs> So you could make an arbitrarily large number of polyraptors. Which at that point, you just ignore the May trigger to let it stop. Yes. In, in, in paper, it's going to be much easier where it's like, okay, make this indestructible, play polyraptor, stop, at when I ha- stop when I have a million polyraptors. On Magic Online, you're going to have a harder time doing it. Yeah. Now remember, they don't have haste. 
So you have to wait. They don't have haste, so be lucky. Or don't um, and, ho- and, and hope your opponent doesn't have settle the wreckage for the ultimate win. <laughs> exactly. I make a million. All right, go. Uh, yeah. Pass. Draw. Pass a turn. Swing. Settle the wreckage. Dang. Yep. Got him. Next is Tender Shoot Dryad. I misread this card the first time. It wasn't until I was watching the pre-pre-release when I saw exactly how insane this card is. Four and a green for a 2-2 rare Dryad with Ascend. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 1-1 green Sapperling creature token. Mm-hmm. Sapperlings you control get plus two, plus two as long as you have the city's blessing. Mm-hmm. So, not only does it have Ascend, but it helps you get to Ascend because it makes a body on your opponent's turn. Then it makes a body on your turn. Then it makes another body on your opponent's turn. And then it makes another body on your turn. At that point, after two turn cycles, if you have had no other permanents, which you probably don't if you're playing Tender Shoot Dryad, you then get Ascend, because you'll have ten permanents. Also, there and, are so many other cards that care about Sapperlings. Yeah. Not necessarily in Standard, but in Magic in general. Yes. Uh, so Tender Shoot Dryad eventually is just making free three threes every if you don't, turn. If you don't answer it. If you don't answer it. Uh, when I said I misread it, I thought it said at the beginning of your upkeep. Oh, yeah, it's each. it's everyone. It's also insane in Commander, because then you just go, I get a sapling on your turn, and your turn, and your turn, and oops, I have the City's Blessing. <laughs> Whoopsie. Oh, by the way, make a free 3-3 draw card. <laughs> yes. It's silly. Good stuff. So next up. Yeah. A probably sideboardable standard card. Maybe even main deck. Main deckable. Main deckable. I main deckable. It depends on the decks that exist if it, if it, it quote, like, asterisk if a banning occurs. Anyway, Thrashing Brontodon. One green, green creature dinosaur. Add uncommon. That's a 3 4. It's already getting very good stats. 3 4 for 3 mana. Double it's green. It's above the curve. Yeah, it's above the curve. But it has more text. For a single generic mana and sacrifice Thrashing Brontodon, you destroy target artifact or enchantment. So either it's beating face as a 3 4 which is hard to trade with, uh, or, or you get to cash it in to destroy some artifact or enchantment that's causing you pain. And it survives a lot of damage base removal. It does. It's a silly card. It's it's really good. It's just solid card. I like it. Uh, this is also a card that I have earmarked for my cube, because I like, great, I like green fatties that do other things. Dude, utility creatures are always great, especially, I mean... You don't get it right off the front side, but it's just like Rex Age. Yep, essentially. You can beat in a couple times, and then then pop it. I think I've been playing both, but I'll. I haven't. I haven't sat down and figured out what the cuts are yet. But well, no, no, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Like you can actually oh, just yeah. like sit there and like like threaten onboard activation of. Oh yeah. I get wrecked. Yep. You want to be cheeky? Uh, no. Uh, for the last monocolored card, because we have a few uh, gold cards we're going to get to, as well as a, a, an artifact and a land. Uh, is Thunder Herd Migration. One in the green for an uncommon sorcery that says search your library for a basic land card and put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. It's rampant growth! Hey! Except for the fact that you either have to reveal a dino or pay an additional one mana for it. Yeah, it's still alright. <laughs> it's still really powerful, because rampant growth is a really good card. I mean, hey, you can be like, check this out. See this dino? Next turn, this dino right here. <laughs> This is the dinosaur I'm going to kill you with. Especially if, you're, um, especially if you're playing like Naya dinos and you're like, hmm, well, I need this red. Let me go fetch the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I had, a, I had a debate with someone about Thunderhead Migration because people were complaining about how rampant growth isn't in match or isn't in standard anymore. And I was like, look, when they moved mana dorks from one to two mana, which I still think is the correct thing to have done, they can't have the ramp spells also be two mana. They have to bump them up to three mana. Because otherwise, if I have a ramp creature and a ramp spell, I'm just always going to choose the spell if it costs the same. Yeah, it's... yeah, Which is why it's two mana, it's either three mana, or two mana, and this is the dinosaur I'm going to kill you with. Oh, absolutely. So, that's kind of to ease those tensions, whether you agree or not. Yeah. On to the gold cards. Yeah. First Uh, up. Yeah, first up, we have our uh, Minotaur Daddy. (laughs) Angry Dad. Yeah. Ang- Angrath, the flame chain, three black, red for a f- legendary planeswalker, Angrath. Four loyalty when it enters battlefield, so not terrible. Plus one, each opponent discards a card and loses two life. Yeah. Not bad. 
uh, minus three, gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step if it has converted mana cost three or less. That's pretty good. Uh, and minus eight, each opponent loses life equal to number of cards in his or her graveyard. Not amazing in some other formats, but can I just say how I think absolutely, utterly flavorful the minus three is? Oh, it's It's, it's Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Get over here. Uh, pretty much, yeah. And also, don't forget it, that Angrath was on the uh, the art for Hijack. Yeah, <laughs> which is great because, you know, he just grabs him with the chain, brings him over, and if the creature, you know, is, is small enough and weak with the three, three CMC, it dies to the chain. Yep. Uh, there's a story. Go for it. No, I'm saying it's flavor. Flavor. Uh, if I would tell this story, but uh, we're running a little long and I want to get through all these cards. Uh, so go watch the CVM uh, Melissa Natura match from the pre-release and see how silly Angrath can be. It's fun. That's all. Next, Azor the Lawbringer. Two white, white, blue, blue for a 6-6 legendary Sphinx at Mythic. Uh, he's got flying. Obviously, it's a Sphinx. Uh, when Azor the Lawbringer enters the battlefield, each opponent can't cast instant or sorcery spells during that player's next turn. Whew. That's a, that's a paragraph. And then lastly, whenever Azor attacks, you may pay X, white, blue, blue. If you do, you gain X life and draw X cards. So, a couple things. Fun thing. One, this card right here is why Chupacabra is ridiculous. Yeah. Because your opponent can't play an instant or sorcery kill spell during their next turn. However, they can play Chupacabra and kill their six mana 6-6 six, six flyer. Weird. Anywho, Azor, by the way, sounds like Azorius, which is a guild on Ravnica. Because guess what? This is the guy who started that guild. Yep. Because Azor used to be a Planeswalker. And then he gave up his spark to make the Immortal Sun, which is why Planeswalkers can't leave Ixalan, and why he's still here. Uh, also, whenever he attacks, he Sphinx's Revelations. It's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Azor is really powerful, really flavorful, and I know people have been waiting a long time. A long time for Azor. Sphinx is red, back in standard. Hell yeah. Kind of. Uh, next. Blue Eye Control. Blue Eye Control. Next, Hwatli, Radiant Champion. Two green, white for a three loyalty legendary planeswalker, Hwatli, at Mythic. Uh, so we get another Hwatli. We have she red, white in, uh, in Ixalan. We get green, white in, in Rivals. So I will forgive her, her for not being total Naya in, she, in she, Ixalan. She found her sun, uh, sun empire balance. She did. Uh, her plus one is put a loyalty counter on Hwatli, Radiant Champion for each creature you control. So she goes up to four, and then you add additional counters for the number of creatures you have. Uh, at the PPR, Evan went from three to 11. <laughs> it was so gross. Uh, her minus one is target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. Uh, I would have loved this to give trample, but I understand why it doesn't. And then her minus eight, you get an emblem with, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. Best words in magic. Evan combined Hotly with Tender Shoot Dryad. Vomit, 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 vomit. But, but, yeah. so good. So good. Uh, next, Kumena, Tyrant of Orozka. One green blue for a 2 4 legendary Merfolk Shaman at Mythic. Uh, and he has three abilities tap another untapped Merfolk to make Kumena unblockable. Uh, you can tap three untapped Merfolk to draw a card. Or you can tap five untapped Merfolk to put a plus a plus encounter on each Merfolk you control. Hey, remember that Merfolk deck I was talking about in Standard that I want? Get yeah. in. Yeah. Get there, in. Two of. Play them two of. Yeah, only two. You don't need four. Uh, I have also thought about whether or not Kamena is good enough for Modern. Uh, however, the first ability is irrelevant in Modern because all your Merfolk are going to have Island Walk anyways. The second or the third ability is also more, more or less irrelevant because if you have five Merfolk, your opponent should be dead. So really, whether or not Kumena sees play in Modern is because of his stat line as a 2-4 for 3. Yeah. Or to draw a bunch of cards. Yeah, because he'll be a beater after a couple Lords drop. But so speaking of Lords, I'm going to jump our speaking line. Speaking of on Lords. <laughs> no, for no, green, that's fine. For green and the blue, we get Merfolk Mistbinder, a, a literal better bear Lord, a 2-2 two, two for green and blue. Other Merfolk you control will get plus one, plus one. Yeah, there's also hey, a vampire lord, legion hey. lieutenant, black white for a two two. Other vampires get plus one plus one. Yeah, it's like, hey, what's up? What's up, Simic, uh, Lord of Atlantis? Yeah, uh, I don't know if this one makes it into the modern deck because they already have like a million lords. Uh, so we'll see. 
Standard Lord, though, is, if they're oh, deck exists. definitely for standard. Definitely for standard. Also, definitely a nice payoff card at Uncommon that if you happen to go for the Merfolk deck in uh, Limited. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, if this you're is in definitely... Vampires or, or Merfolk, you want these Lords. Speaking of the Lord for uh, Vampires, Legion Lieutenant, Black and a White, 2-2, two, two, Vampire Knight, other Vampires you can control, plus one, plus one. Bam. I think this one's better in standard than Merfolk Mistbinder is because Vampires makes a bunch of one ones. So yeah, it's also getting straight into Edgar Markov. Also true. Next, the card that is my pick for my favorite design out of the entire set is Relentless Raptor, red white for a three three dinosaur at uncommon. Yes, that's right, three three with vigilance for two mana. So what's the downside? It attacks or blocks each combat if able. So, if there's fighting to be had, the raptor's taken part. I was like, man, this raptor gets bitey. <laughs> he does not like staying still. Uh, I also love that it has vigilance so that it's not a... Because it has... Therefore, it has to attack and it has to block. And I think that's a really cool uh, space to play in. And I was like, huh, I'd, I hadn't considered whether or not that would be a... Uh, that would be a, a design space that red-white could play in. But it you know, fits. Checks it out. fits so great because, you know... All right, so... Red usually has the attack each combat if able, and white creatures are usually more like can be usually more vigilant, eh? Yeah, eh? defenders. Yep. So they'll there sit back go. and block. So it does both. Color there pie, perfect. Uh, before we I, get to the next one, I do want to give hats off to our parrot resplendent griffin, uh, because that that's a cool, a cool creature concept. Um, but next, uh, you put on here uh, storm fleet sprinter. Yeah. What does she want? So she's just speedy, like obviously the name. So it's one and a, is it? So one blue red for a two, two human pirate with haste. She can't be blocked. Yeah. It's it. Just drop her on, drop her on three and just start going to town. Uh, It also means that you all don't have to worry about uh, like trying to find a good attack in your raid deck because your Stormfleet Spencer will always be able to attack. Guess what? It's great. Pirate's Cutlass. No. (laughs) Yes. Value. No. So I just wanted to put her on her because she's like a really, just a solid, like, that's what you want. That's what a red, blue, like, gold kind of low-costed creature wants to do. Absolutely. It gives evasion, and it's speedy, and it's decently costed for decent stats. Get on in. Uh, next, let's talk about one of the uh, seven uh, flip cards, or two double-faced cards. Uh, there's there's one for each enemy color and two artifacts, but we're going to talk about Azor's Gateway, because this card's insane. Two mana for a legendary artifact at Mythic. You pay one and tap it to then draw a card, then exile a card from your hand. That card will be face up. If cards with five or more different converted mana costs are exiled with Azor's Gateway, you gain five life, untap Azor's Gateway, and transform it into the Sanctum of the Sun. It's a Mythic land, obviously retains its rarity, Uh, and it has one ability, tap, add X mana of any one color to your mana pool where X is your life total this is definitely not standard playable definitely not modern playable it's absurd is, commander oh yeah this is like smack dab edh because that's the only one we're going to get a decent number of like you build your curve out as good as you can and then just start going to town tapping for like, like 30, 30 mana. mana it's like boop fireball fireball 30 mana. it it's a really silly card fit 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 um, yeah, it, it's it's stupid and it's cool and I like that design. Like a lot of legendary lands are, you know, throwbacks to some of the older ones. This one is just a new design space where it's ridiculous, and I'm glad it's locked behind a ridiculous flip condition. Yeah. Speaking of the Immortal Sun, it's also a legendary mythic artifact uh, for six mana. Uh, players can't activate Planeswalker loyalty abilities at the beginning of your draw step. Draw another card. Spells you cast cost one less, and creatures you control get plus one plus one. Yeah, it's uh this it's, is also it, absurd in commander and it shows the azor the immortal sun as having the azorius symbol which is also what we saw whenever on ixalan's binding yep because it's all azor's magic yep people are trying to leave and he's like nobody leaves yep that imprisonment binding magic that you know detention sphere yeah Azor's pretty good at that stuff azorius charm yeah all that good stuff it's kind of fun i like it and last yep. one arch of oroska it's a land with a send, mm-hmm. uh, you tap to add wingdings to your mana pool. 
So colorless mana. And for five and tap, draw a card. Activate this ability only if you have the city's blessing. I mean, this is as close as to Library of Alexandria as we're going to get uh, in standard. And this card is going to be great in standard. Uh, just because in the control decks, like either you're going to get to ten mana, and then and then you're either going to have you know your search for Escanta going off, or you'll have Arch, and you'll be able to just like right, draw a card, 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 draw a card. Card's great. Yeah, like for for those kind of uh the blue white, uh, what's it called? Yeah, the blue white control decks are going to love this kind of thing. Just as a, I mean, you just get enough lands or like some small little dinky things in play, or if you have treasures in play, these count too. And yep. Once it's online, it's always permanent online. It's it'll be something dumb fun for Commander too. It's like a mana sink for like the mid to late game. Absolutely. So, right. so that does it for our list of cards. I know that there were some that we definitely passed over. Some that are definitely going to see standard play or modern play or whatever. Uh, let us know what which cards we missed and which cards you would like to. Uh, what cards excite you from the set? Are you excited about the vampires, the dinos, the merfolk, or the uh, pirates? Um, I just, you know, hit us up. Let us know because we like to hear what you guys think. I'm excited for Vampires for EDH and Merfolk for Standard. Uh, I actually brewed a Merfolk Commander deck. Interesting. Who is the Commander? Which is uh, Kumana. I figured as much. Yeah, it's it, this is Merfolk Tribal. And uh, if I ever assemble it, we'll, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Are we talking new Kumana or the older one? There's only one Kumana. All right. I oh, think I was Shoshana. thinking... That's it, yeah. Yeah, no. This is this is Kumena Tyrant of Araska as the commander. Nice but low anyway. casted, no, nice low casted commander too. I like it. Mm, I do love my cheap commanders. Anyways, Ian, if people wanted to tell us how wrong we were, where can they find you? <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D I X O N I J. And you guys can find me on Twitch as well at Twitch.tv/dix. I'm gonna try and stream friday i have an off day and it's one of the last couple days before the cube goes away so got to get that cube draft in while i can um yeah look for me there john where can they find you you guys can find me on twitter at jwiley129 i'm also on twitch at the same handle if you see me hanging out don't hesitate to say hi uh i will be judging the pre-release this weekend so no cube for me sadly oh however i will be knee deep in rivals of Exxon limited so that'll be that'll be a fun experience to see yeah, I'm, uh, I'm honestly debating on going to another pre-release at midnight just because I can, because I have the off go. day. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, if you guys want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at Eyes on the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesonthemize at gmail.com because we want to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our loyal listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.